Hey folks, Dustin here. Just a quick heads up. You are about to listen to an episode of Music the Lightblood's Conversations from the Pit. But I want to tell you guys real quick that Conversations from the Pit is a video show as well. It's a visual thing. And if you would rather go watch the video version of it so you can see all the graphics and cool little pictures I drop in throughout the episode, go check that out. But... If you're driving, maybe you're at the gym and you want to listen to it, I'll continue to make the audio version of Conversations from the Pit available as well. So if video is your thing, you might want to go check out the YouTube. All right, that's it. Here comes the episode. Hey, folks, Music the Lightblood is not a politically correct content maker. So the following episode might have some colorful and or explicit commentary on the subject at hand. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. And then you get John Karabi era Motley Crue. <laughs> you are now watching Music the Lifebloods Conversations from the pit. Ladies and gentlemen, you have tuned yourself into another episode of Music the Lifebloods Conversations from the Pit. I am your very humble host, Dustin. Join with me, the our singer's kind of chubby to my it's okay because Nikki wrote all the songs anyway. <laughs> John Carter. Hi. How are things? <laughs> You know, just fat shaming Vince Neil over here. No big deal. I look, man. <laughs> look, you know. Oh, oh. Look, I'm chubby. You know, I'm I'm chubby. I'm chubby. You carry you carry it well, though. You don't carry it like <laughs> like a, like like you're p- pathetically trying to like you know convince yourself that you're not. You know. Yeah. I well, you know. I think- <laughs> I think one, you got to pick the right kind of vest to complement that V-neck. Also true. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> oh, shit. all right, Carter, what are we talking about? Uh, shout at the fucking devil. Yes, shout at the devil. We absolutely are. So, the uh, are we going to call it the Motley Crew tour de force? Is that what it is? I, I I would very I'd easily say that. I mean, it was like probably I remember remember growing up in the eighties and like you went over to somebody's house and if they had fucking Motley Crew shout at the devil cassette and uh, two live crew, uh, fucking you know uh, you know. It was pre uh, as nasty as they want to be, but like, yeah, yeah <laughs> like an Ice T tape or NWA. You know right. that motherfucker's parents either didn't pay attention to him or he was a bad motherfucker. Right. And, okay. You know, and, and you're just like, Jesus, you listen to that shit? Oh my god. So that's just from my recollection. I'm I'm hard on different levels. 
You know? Yep. That's that's <laughs> that's what that's what that screams. So <laughs> yeah, it's the uh, it's the Motley Crue shout at the devil episode. So this one's this one's going to be interesting. I got I got some comments that we're going to look at. Cool. Which is going to be great. And I haven't checked it, so maybe we'll look at it. Maybe we won't. But I posted a MTLB question of the day on the Facebook, I think, the Music of Lightblood Facebook earlier asking, uh, what was it? Um, do Why do you love Motley Crue's Shout at the Devil? You know, if yes, why? If not, why do you hate metal? You know, yeah, no shit. You know, you know <laughs> that, that sort of thing. So I haven't checked it. So we'll uh, we'll look at it here in a few to see if we got anything good out of it. All right. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, I just want to real quick remind everyone about the music, the lifeblood MTLB Ultra Mega Value Exchange. That's pretty much you guys decide whatever kind of value you put on all the free music, the lifeblood content, and you can one, give it back to us monetarily. There's the Patreon option where you can do reoccurring installments. That's patreon.com backslash music, the lifeblood. We have a PayPal. If you just want to shoot it over five bucks, I laughed my ass off at this episode. It's going to be music, the lifeblood at gmail.com, I guess until Google bans us. So, you know, if I say enough buzzwords in one episode, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And then what's the other one? Oh, the T-Chip store. That's going to be MTLB Ultra Mega store. That's at tchip.com backslash MTLB. Just search it. Bing it. You'll be able to find it really, really easily. Mm-hmm. Motley Crue, Shout at the Devil. Mm-hmm. When did you first hear this? Do you remember? Um. Yeah, I think... Well, see, the thing of it is, I, I lived in a real small town in Iowa, and obviously pre-internet in the 80s, you got things, pro- an, al- a, an album would be out for about a good year, you know, before you could kind of get wind of it sometimes, because mm. we had, like, we didn't have, like, a record store, we didn't really have, like, a, um, you know, we had, like, we had, like, metal magazines that you'd read an article that was written a year and a half before the, <laughs> the magazine Sweet. came out. So basically, yeah, I... I heard Shout at the Devil in like 1986, um, okay. a, a few years after it came out. Yeah. And uh, one of my uh, sister's boyfriends um, was blaring it out of a car, some, some something with T-tops. It was a uh, something. Right. It was, yeah, it wasn't the, quite the convertible. But yeah, I mean, just basically it was cruising. You, you'd hear, doon, doon, shout, doon, doon, you know, sure. I think guys would have it on loop. But I mean, yeah, just basically some dude dropping my sister off, you know, in his car. You know, um, I think, I mean, shit, he, he was probably in high school and she was in middle school or whatever, you know? So it's kind of like, you know, it was perfect. A perfect soundtrack to what the fuck was going on in Denison, Iowa in 1986, 87. You know what it's I'm saying? Always, it's, it's always something to the effect of sister's boyfriend. Yeah. Older sister's boyfriend or older brother mm. or, or weird uncle. You know what I mean? It's always, yeah. it's, there's always like one degree of separation. You know, for me, it was like with Sam Hain, that was that was a really good example where I had a um, uh, a cousin's friend was like, I'm looking through his CDs. And I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, yeah, like, oh, that's Sam Hain. That's a guy from the Misfits. I was like, mm. Let's let's go check that out. That sounds incredible. I yeah, wanna, I want to I want to be, you know, I want I want to have everything to do with that, <laughs> you know. But for me, I think I I think I had saw the looks that kill video 
at some point, I'm assuming like a headbangers ball, you know, late night MTV, something <clears> like that. Probably, yeah. probably in Derek's bedroom on a Saturday night, you know, watching MTV while he's playing, you know, Stratomatic baseball or something like that. You know, Derek, Derek was totally into Stratomatic, by the way. You know, fantasy, I, fantasy baseball teams. So oh, right on. It was awesome. It was incredible. Like, it didn't make a fucking bit of sense to me, but, you know, what, what the hell ever. But, yeah, I think the looks at Kill was was my first exposure, which, by the way, what the fuck is going on with that video? <laughs> videos ever i mean it's like you know I, I think it's funny because like when they did that video and too young to fall in love they were supposed to like be kind of portraying like this uh you know cartoon or com like comic book type character like they were like four guys that like they were superheroes or super villains with some kind of powers you know and they had the an, power, an, a power an, of rock yeah wow yeah like they were like they, they had a nemesis <laughs> in both videos like they had the girl you know who apparently she had the looks that kill and she had that shield and they shot the pentagram at the shield right. you know and that was somehow like the uh supposed the, to be the the climax of their battle the you only know? the only thing that could defeat her flying pentagram was Mick Mars's guitar solo so absolutely yeah he, yeah exactly i mean i think that was the template for a lot of uh, nintendo uh video games to come because you, <laughs> you get you get you get like past certain levels you know and it and yeah. incidentally i used to listen to Shout the Devil on cassette on my auto reverse cassette player nonstop while I played Super Mario 2. Right. Like, I think this was like in 88, 89, you know, right. when I really, really dug into it. But, but yeah, that fucking video, dude, like when you see that when you're, when you're young, I mean, I'm about what, like, like three or four years older than you or whatever, you know? So, I, like, I'm born in 79. I think you're three. Yeah, I was born in 75. So, oh, right. yeah, give or take the month. But anyway, you know, like, yeah, like, I mean, when when you're when you're that young i mean i was probably i was in elementary school elementary school or early middle school when i kind of got because before kiss motley Crue was my band like i was that was like uh um See, was I it. Knew it. it was the other way around for me oh that's crazy yeah because yeah. well because i i got in i really got into motley Crue because of girls 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 and then around that time it was like you know 80 87 88 you know that that was that was like when i got into them and then i backtracked right. And right. I fucking I found you know theater of pain and and everything and uh, um but shout the devil but like I would always hear people playing shout the devil for years before I became like a Motley Crue fan it was sure. just kind of part of the whole pantheon you you heard to hell with the devil 
you know, by, by Striper, you know, coming out of cars and shit, <laughs> you know, you, you heard, you know, you heard your, your, twisted sister, you know, you had white snake, you know, and, uh, just, it, just to kind of like, I mean, probably my memory is a little bit sketchy from like, you know, the, the early to mid eighties from the stuff that like my older sister's boyfriends were playing and, you know, and this and that, but I mean, but yeah, man, like that was, I, that was when I really got into Motley Crue was when yeah. girls, girls, girls came out. I mean, the video for wild side was just like, fucking that was like i worshiped that video yeah i mean it was i mean that was the red when they had the red stage right oh dude fuck yeah uh, the yeah the, the weird carpet. slant the slanted ramp that went up to the drum riser right that yeah dude god damn that was sick but yeah it, it's yeah i mean at that age i was probably you know 87 i think i was yeah i was in like sixth or seventh grade I I remember when when you and I were still like in the process of getting to know each other. One of the we were talking about Motley Crue at one point, and I think you had said that Girls, Girls, Girls was apathetically shat out, and it's one of my favorite John Carter quotes ever. You yeah. know what? I think I said that about <laughs> Theater of Pain. Oh, I, Theater of Pain. Because because and and I and I admitted to this because people had talked about how okay. After the success of Shout at the Devil, they had to hurry up and get um, get Theater out. of Pain. And my my over the years, my recollection of Theater of Pain was okay. You had fucking you know City Boy Blues on there, and yeah, you but had you got louder than hell. Yeah, but then yeah, and and then you have fucking Smoking in the Boys Room, which you know, albeit it's a good version of a Loggins and Messina song, but it's just kind of like I have always had this big if, if a band had a big hit based off of a cover song that you could still hear on fucking classic rock radio, the right. regular version. I just couldn't respect it. But so well, to I me, mean, it was Joan Jett did it all the time, but I was too stupid to fucking know that Crimson and Clover <laughs> was a fucking, you know, Ronnie James and the Shondell song or whatever the fuck, you know, uh, Tiffany it had with Crimson, a, it was a Crimson and Clover, right? Yeah. And then fucking, I think we're alone now, but <laughs> Tiffany was a fucking on the radio, but you I mean, but yeah. you do not say, a terse word about Tiffany. Oh, I will not fuck around because, dude, Tiffany, I heard her, uh, I've heard about three interviews with her over the past couple of years, and she's a rock chick, dude. She's awesome. Dude, she, she is, is, she is a fucking national treasure. She, dude, she, okay, first of all, the interviews I heard with her was like listening to like a really fucking cool ass aunt that you always love that came over to the fucking house. Like, oh, awesome. <laughs> she's she's, she's going to bring fucking horror movies and popcorn and we're going to hang out. You know what I mean? She, she just she just seems cool. Tiffany seems cool as fuck, dude. I mean, but I mean, when I think we're alone, I, when you hear this, because my parents uh, would always listen to the oldie stations when I was a kid in the car, right? And then I would hear like some, some fucking, you know, some hard rock band I really liked from the 80s or 90s having a single that was one of these songs that I heard. I'm like, what the fuck, you know? And it was, it, was, it made, it just left a real sour taste in my mouth. And then I was like, well, Kiss would never cover a fucking song. Then, then I then I would I would completely ignore. Then she kissed me, and then when I found out that fucking right. uh, you know New York Groove was a cover song, and I'm like, right. fuck. 
But anyway, but yeah, but like I, I just, I had a weird feeling about theater of pain for the longest time because I'd always, always heard that they had to kind of rush to get it out to because the fucking like the iron was still hot from uh, right. you know, from from shot the devil. So, but the thing of it is, when when you were like you you were like really. And I'm like, yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. And then I went back and I listened because my remem- uh, memory of Girls, 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 that album was fucking awesome. You know, fuck oh, yeah, you know. God, no. And and then I go back and listen to Theater of Pain, side by side with Girls, Girls, Girls. And I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? I'm like, Theater of Pain <laughs> right. kicks so much ass. And like, there's so much to skip over on Girls, Girls, Girls. That was clearly like, hey, we have a bunch of throwaway shit from back when we were writing stuff for Shout and Theater of Pain right. and some stuff that we fucking, you know, pilfered riffs from, from you know, uh, Too Fast for Love and put together, yeah, probably one of the most overrated fucking rock albums of 1987. I mean, I mean, Wild Side and Girls, Girls, Girls are good songs. Oh, yeah. Dancing on Glass. That song's, what, 20 minutes long? <laughs> A half hour. God damn. Longer, it's it's <laughs> longer than, like, the Willy Wonka boat ride. Oh geez, yeah. I mean, bad news. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I space out when I hear fucking, uh, um, you know, Freebird on the radio, and then it's over and fucking, you know, Stairway. But like, I get anxiety when I hear Dancing on Glass. (laughs) But (laughs) and uh, yeah, it's just I I have to take, have to take. I gotta take a Xanax if I'm listening to this album. <laughs> oh yeah, and then that fucking that that weird ass part of the end with it, it, that's is it like Mick Mars the straight demon you are my weird <laughs> whatever the fuck it just it's it just goes on and on, dude. Right. And but uh, but yeah, because actually last night me and my son Luke watched uh, um, Motley Crue Uncensored um, on on YouTube, and was you ever seen do- that? Is it a documentary? Yeah, it was it was it was a home video VHS that came out in eighty. It came out at, right after um, Theater of Pain. Oh, ta- oh, yeah. when they were yeah, when they're I remember because like there's a scene where they go into Vince's house and he's putting on his shoes and stuff. Yeah, I was like, hey, what time is it, man? You know, yes, it, yeah. It, yeah. And then he had the you know it, it was it was funny because I'd never ever seen it in its entirety, right? And then I've seen Kiss Exposed probably a thousand plus times, right? And I'm sitting here going, oh, was Kiss trying to do what Motley Crue was doing or what? Because I don't know which one came out first. I really don't know. But they did the whole thing where, like, you know, um, you know, is Mick here? Where's Mick at? Oh, you know, and they went into his apartment. And right. then he's yeah. somehow on, like, the monitor screen. And he's not there. And he gets in his Corvette and takes off, you know. And then, you know, and they're interviewing Tommy Lee while he's on the motorcycle the whole time. It's awesome. It's a fucking, I mean, if you're a Motley <laughs> Crue fan, you're, you're going to love it. Like, it's, it's, I think, it's, I think that... <laughs> I just the the only the the thing that comes to mind is that to me, shout at the devil is just not rich enough of a vein, you know? Because what way? Like what goes on around that album? There, or? No, there's just not enough like video documentation. Oh, okay. And like, yeah, you're right. There, I mean, there's interviews and stuff. Motley Crew has just finished work on a brand new Motley video. We were there and spoke to the band about it. Looks That Kill, Motley Crue's new video, is staged in a futuristic heavy metal city, and MTV was there for the making of the clip. Group members Nikki Six and Vince Neil explain the concept. It could be a city of the past, city of the future, um, and what it is is we are like the survivors of a, maybe a holocaust, nuclear war, whatever, 
and uh, there are these women who are running wild and we're like the warriors here and what happens is there is one woman who is like the goddess the equivalent of us and together we all have the looks to kill six elaborated on the message the group is trying to make through their music everybody us our and our audience who we feel is the same we have so much aggression in us we're so young and we have so much you know power and energy in us and instead of us going out and robbing liquor stores and beating up old ladies we play rock and roll and that's what we want the kids to come see us because we're positive for music television this is john paoli in los angeles i remember seeing him being interviewed by martha quinn on mtv from around that time but i just i was like i want that period of the band to last longer do you, you think oh, do you think it's because what they were doing was so controversial and they even had that thing in the record that says this contains backwards messages yeah, and all right. that shit. Yeah. So maybe, there, I mean, there, there was probably a lot of the media that was afraid to touch on it. Or they did do some shit and, they, and then they go, oh, what's this? And they look at the original album cover with the pentagram and they're like, oh, satanic panic's going on right now. We really can't touch this. Dude, you know? I, I, w- I, would say that I would say this, that if with, with that, that one Southern Baptist group, um, the West, yeah, West Memphis Street. No, the uh, Westboro, <laughs> the Westboro yeah. Baptist Church. No, no, it's not them. There was a, there was a, there was like a Baptist minister that really went after Kiss. During, oh, shit. Around, around, around creatures of the night era. So it, this is around. So shout out to the radio Devil. show, I believe, didn't he? Um, he? Didn't he have a radio show? Wasn't he the he guy had, that did the, the debates with Boyd Rice and Ozzy Osbourne and everybody? And that might have like been, that? yeah, that might have been him. He had he had a voice, like he was, yeah. was amplified. People people had access to him, but it's just really interesting because you know th- this album's released in September '83. Jimmy Swagger? No, I don't think it was Jimmy. Falwell? No, no. Okay, I'll, I don't okay. think I don't think it was any of the like evangelical guys. Okay, I think sorry. They were, yeah, they, they might have been maybe Pentecostal, but I doubt it. You okay, know, like Pentecostals tend to just like we're going to keep to ourselves, you know. Yeah, or yeah, they weren't like uh, playing with snakes and like you know. Yeah, those are the Southern those folks. But so it comes out in '83, uh, September of '83. So Kiss released Creatures of the Night in December '82. You know, and had been on the tour and been on tour most of the beginning of the year. But by this point, Kiss is working on Lick It Up. So Kiss got really targeted by that that dude down south. But I can't I can't remember his name. You know how most of the stuff on Tipper Gore's Filthy 15 was just kind of like cute, funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. With Cindy Lauper, Shebop and. I think Wa- I think Wasp was on there. Or yeah. Something. Anyway, we've talked about it in the past, but it, it was almost like the same sort of a thing. Like I don't think Motley Crue seemed threatening enough. You know what mm. I mean? Like especially okay. like if you stand them next to Blackie Lawless, Blackie Lawless was throwing raw meat. Yeah. And like sparks were flying out of his crotch. You know what I mean? I I don't think I don't think Motley Crue was menacing enough to. Although I mean, they obviously did. They get they got a lot of attention because the cover, of the album alone, you know. The I don't I don't for a while I don't think that version was printed right. Yeah, 
they had the one with the, with the four pictures of all four of them on the front. Flames, the flames, yeah. all that mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. So I, I mean, they obviously picked up a lot of attention from it, but at the same time, it's like I think Motley Crue kind of got they got sort of swept up in that regard. They got swept up with all the other bands like them around that time. Like you could you could say a lot of things about Quiet Riot, but like worshiping the devil, that's that wasn't what it. No, nah. You know what I mean? Say and the same thing with um, like Poison and Dawkins and bands like that. It just I mean you could say all kinds of stuff, but they just weren't into the devil, you know, or just like devil worship. How about that? Yeah. But I I don't know. I just I just don't see it. But well, I do think. I do think because Tipper Gore did. I think there was a point where she mentioned "Bastard" mm -hmm. from from the album, and I guess you know what well, I mean. Is it just because there's like the um, the sound of a girl actually getting fucked in in the in the background of that? Like it, you know. Really? Yeah, there was there was a, a, I wrote a story about like uh, apparently during like the the vocal. Uh, like laying down one of the vocal tracks or whatever, like there was like like Tommy and Nikki were like screwing girls as they were recording and hoping to get some of the uh, um, yeah, Ambience. some of the background, yeah, background ambience of that, you know. And then it was argued that, like, the I've, um, I've never heard that, yeah, that, that was one of the things that I heard when I was real young, um, about, about that song. That apparently there was like some, yeah, there was some something to do with it, or or you know. Or it could be one of those things that, like, you hear about, like, when you or you read about in the magazines, where, you know, yeah, we had all these girls, you know, we were banging all these chicks while we were recording the album, and uh, um, but I just remember specifically the song "Bastard" had something to do with a certain member of Motley Crue was having sex while they were recording the vocal tracks of that song. So, is that audible? I don't know. I've never really listened like, to it. Like I've never like I literally just listened to yeah. the album. Like I, mean, I don't like nothing's the, ever registered with the it. song is about like, you know, what like mugging and stabbing somebody in the street, basically. You know what I mean? Pull you know, out goes the light, in goes the knife, you know, nice. consider that bastard dead. But yeah. yeah, that that was that was some of the folklore that I heard about that that song. Yeah. Um hmm. and then and then hearing why like Tipper Tipper Gore targeted that song what you would hear people say is like oh yeah she was a fucking pervert that's why she was super into like you know she thought <laughs> she, she thought that under the blade by fucking I, twisted sister yeah, was an snm yeah. song when it was yeah. about fucking like tonsil surgery or whatever yeah, or in the dentist or whatever it was yeah look, look i it's came up on back episodes of the music the lifeblood podcast but i am absolutely convinced that tipper gore is or was i don't know if she is but I was I am absolutely convinced that there was a time she was so utterly sexually frustrated mm -hmm. that she felt like she had to take it out on the youth of America. You know, oh, what yeah. I mean? like and it, I I think like I just remember like how was it Morton Downey Jr. Um used to have the talk show. Yeah. And they and they had they had this young lady on that was doing work for, you know, label and albums with the the printer advisory sticker and stuff. And everybody was just kind of taking it out, you know, on her and the audience. And like Morton Downey Jr.'s like stoking the anger. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and she's just like, I'm I'm just putting it on what I think I was supposed to put it on. You know, like, <laughs> like why are you guys mad at me? I, uh... are you, shouldn't you be mad at Tipper Gore? And I think it's it's in that sense, it's sort of misdirected, you mm -hmm. know, where like everyone's angry at Tipper Gore, but you're not 
you know, you may not be angry, you know, you know what I mean? You're not angry at the band. You're more angry at Molly Crew, you know, just yeah, for yeah. It's just strange to me. For It's just odd. It was an odd scenario. I think, too, that <laughs> the thing about the album is that, you know, there's certain bands that, like, as they've aged, they get cringy. You know, mm-hmm. Marilyn Manson is a good, yeah. you know, good example of that. But I think Motley Crue, Shout at the Devil, the album specifically, it never really gets cringy because I think they they de- they delivered it with enough sincerity at the time. Yeah, that I think I think it's it's sort of prolonged its life. It doesn't fall victim. You know what I mean? It's like when you listen to Venom and you go <laughs> Venom, you know? Yeah. Why do you got a song called Teacher's Pet in between, you know, songs about being in league with Satan and, you know, <laughs> Countess Bathory, right, right, you know? Right. Or I think or even like Bathory's too, like the Bathory catalogs. I think Corthon, mm-hmm. before he passed away, there was one point he was like, yeah, I was Satan's bitch for a couple of years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And, it, and I don't think Nikki Six would ever be like, "Yeah, we were the devil's bitch." I think he was like, "Yeah, I wrote that song. I like it." <laughs> well, you remember you, you've you've read the dirt. Remember the part when he was talking about how him and Lita Ford would stay up for like a week on fucking hard drugs and like and like uh, just he was really into fucking like satanic shit. Him yeah, and Lita Ford, yeah, you yeah, know, and and like yeah. and I'm like, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. Why that that sort of imagery? Like you go from you go from uh, Too Fast for Love, which is kind of like a you know, le- leather and lace kind of like street glam metal album, you know, like very Alice Cooper kiss influenced. And then the next album is like fucking more, you know, more, more Judas priest, you know, for lack of a better, you know, like, uh, example, kind of like more heavy metal, you know, very much well, more heavy metal yeah, with a yeah. satanic bent. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's a good point. Derek, Derek and I talked about it on the class of 85 episode, the one before this so go back in the queue and look at it or watch it or listen whatever and we had talked about it is a metal album mm-hmm. it, it is absolutely a metal album and you can't say that about the rest of the motley crew catalog no you can't you know it's it's all you know just sort of hard straight up rock and roll in the same vein as like aerosmith you know just tommy plays heavier than joey you know or, or even like the cult, you know, sort of in that same ballpark of of rock and roll, especially Doctor Feelgood. There's no bluesy swagger on uh, um, on Shout of the Devil. No, there's but, not. No, there's but not. like no. every album after that has that, you know. Yes, yeah, and even and in my opinion, even even Too Fast for Love has yeah. it too. I think um, uh, was Toast of the Town on the original pressing of Too Fast for Love. I think it- Toast. Toast of the Town was a, was a bonus track on the on Remix. the yeah, but uh, um, what was the song? Uh, on with the show was actually was on the original press. Okay, or, yeah, yeah. So uh, so Live Wire, Too Fast for Love, Merry Go Round, mm-hmm. On with the Show, Star yeah. Starry Eyes, Starry Eyes for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, yeah, and uh, um, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, you you pretty much nailed all the all the the main tracks. It's hard. That. It's you know it's it's hard to like I have the track list for Shout at the Devil like committed to memory like I'll never forget it. But like with with Too Fast for Love, it's a little bit less. But you're right. There's not as there's not as much bluesy stuff on there for sure. 
Yeah. And, and you know, and like I noticed that more growing up, you know, that that was where it started to happen on um, Theater of Pain. And I think maybe that's kind of why I had a slight aversion to it, because around the time when I discovered Theater of Pain, because I remember when the video for Home Sweet Home was on TV all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and I liked it. I liked the song, you know, but then at one point in time it was on because in, in the summertime, you know, in 1986 in small town, Denison, Iowa, where I grew up. MTV was on our TV all fucking day, you know, and you'd come inside from playing outside, you know, or whatever. And you'd sit down and eat lunch or whatever, turn on MTV. You'd see fucking, you know, Home Sweet Home. And then later on that night, you'd see Home Sweet Home. And then I'm fucking, you know, pre-Headbangers Ball, you know, when it was Metal Shop would play Home Sweet Home. And then fucking uh, Night Tracks or whatever the fuck, or Friday Night Videos yeah. would play Home Sweet Home. You know, Night Flight would play Home Sweet Home. And, it, you know, and after a while... I mean, at a young age, I was just kind of like, you know, hey, Guns N' Roses is starting to look pretty fucking awesome. You know what I mean? You know. Well, well it, I so, I sometimes wonder if if the sort of, you know, the sleaze title, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because that's what you know people tend like L.A. Guns, Guns N' Roses, you know that <clears throat> the quote unquote sleaze bands, that sort of thing. I sometimes wonder if Motley kind of paved the way, you know, paved the way for a little bit of that. Sort I, of think pri- they, primed, I think they did. It, it primed the audience for that sort of stuff. It gave people license to, because I mean, at one point, I mean, if you think about it, the reason why they have such a legacy is because they were um, such an out of control fucking band. Yeah. You know, and yeah. they, and I don't, and I think the, the, the great thing about Nikki Six when he was writing songs is he tried to sort of capture that in the lyrics and what was going on, because even though he was all, on smack, you know, for like, you know, shit. I mean, from, you know, from a uh, too fast for love all the way to, you know, Dr. Feelgood, um, he was still coherent enough to just be kind of like, I want people to know that this is what we're about. Sure. You know, I want fucking, I, I want to be dangerous. You know, we're going to have all these tattoos. Nobody else has tattoos. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so they did pave the way in a, in, a, in a lot of ways. And not that they weren't doing what like Aerosmith did in the seventies or Led Zeppelin or whatever, but they did it in their own way. And the thing of it is, I think because Nikki six kind of had like a sort of like a punk rock sort of like edge to him. And Vince Neil had a very kind of like David Lee Roth kind of fucking vibe, you know, and, and Tommy Lee was like a fucking tall John Bonham, you know, and like Mick Mars was a fucking very like Jeff Beck, um, Jimmy page influenced guitar player. Um, musically they were fucking unique and then you get four guys like they've said over over and over and over again of the years that if they weren't in a band together they fucking would have probably never been friends they would have never hung out so yeah. you get a vo- volatile mixture of people that all like some of them live dangerously to begin with and then some of them drove some of the other ones to fucking you know so it's it's i think what really kind of like the the core essence of motley crew is the volatility of that combination of dudes and so you're gonna have you know, the symptom of that or, or some of the things that are going to come with that is the sleaze aspect because sleaze pretty much comes from just not giving a fuck and just letting shit fucking go. It's sure. sleazy, you sure. know? And so, and yeah, and then all these other bands, well, we want to be like Motley Crue. We don't know why. We don't know what it is, you know? And so they, you know, had copycats after that. But then you had yes. people doing doing what they're doing at the exact same time, but Motley Crue happened to be one of the bands that got thrust into the, into the fucking spotlight for that. Oh, I it's... It's just strange, strange the the just sleaze. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. It's just so. 
this is dirty. You know what I mean? There's, there's well, no, yeah. like, and I think, I think like, it's just amazing to me that like the difference between the culture then and now, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because that shit would not be embraced now. If, like yeah. I, it just <laughs> red flag after red flag lawsuits, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Like, you know, uh, uh, you know, SJWs, SJWs picketing shows with, you know, signs and, you know what I mean? That, that yeah. it'd be like, it'd be like Frankenstein getting, you know what I mean? The, the torches and pitchforks come out, you know, that sort of thing. So the I, out, yeah, the, like out the outrage of the day, um, for the past four years that people get all bent out of shape were the things that people loved about rock and roll in, <laughs> yeah. in the early to mid eighties. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I, it's just so strange the the 180 that we've that we've pulled and like it makes you wonder if like an album like Shout at the Devil would have even made a dent. You know what I mean? What it what it implants? <laughs> I don't or, think it would. Or if it, or if, if Shout at the Devil the album not 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 Molly Crew being the guys that they were back then, but like Shout at the Devil the album if it came out now, I still think it would hold up as a solid metal record. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, well, I mean, given the, the, this huge, huge wave of traditional heavy metal that we're in right now, mm-hmm. you know, you, the, oh, good Lord. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like Hell's Headbangers would be all over that. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you, you listen to bands like, uh, um, like, like Stalker and Midnight and Ambush and Striker and fucking, uh, um, what was that? That band, uh, Bastard, with the umlauts over the A's. Oh band. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's cool because like they, 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 they're, they're like the, the bullet belt, sort of almost kind of speed thrash, borderline, you know, um, proto death metal sort of like uh, imagery. But you listen to the songs, and it's just like you know, you listen to Stalker or Ambush, and they're singing songs about you know evil. And then they're singing songs about fucking like just rocking out and partying and fucking yeah. having a good yeah. time. Yeah. And, and, and really, you know, I don't think Motley Crue shot the devil and Motley Crue in that era really gets the credit they deserve for the N-W-O-T-H-M, the new wave of traditional heavy metal that's going right. on right now. I mean, yeah. it's fucking awesome. And that's what I loved about, you know, when I found Midnight and I found uh, Speed Wolf and Midnight at the same time. And uh, it sucks that Speedwolf, they put out a, one really great album on um, Hell's Headbangers. And it was very much Motorhead, Venom, um, you know, Judas Priest influence type shit. And it just fit with that. And I think about bands like Midnight and Speedwolf, if they would have came out back then in the early to, early to mid 80s, they would fucking be... They would be like you know in the in the filth, filthy fifteen or whatever as well. Oh, you know, for, I mean, fucking midnight for sure, dude. Oh yeah, and like, End, endless slut, you <laughs> less, know, less filth and sleaze. Yeah, and, and, and so <laughs> what, you, what you were saying about sleaze is like sleaze is a whole. It's it's a it's a genre. It's a culture. It's a mindset, and I love. It's funny. I mean, anybody that knows me, you know, I've I've been. You know, I'm 45 years old. I've been straight edge since I was 18. But like my favorite fucking music that I, I gravitate towards is stuff with an element of sleaze to it. I think it's probably because I'm self-repressed by being fucking married for 22 years and being straight <laughs> edge. But, uh, but the thing of it is, 
So I, I go for that, right? I'll put on an L.A. Guns album or listen wait, to fucking wait, like... Wait, 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 What? Oh, no. I, I'm, I'm very happily fucking like stoked on, on life with my marriage. Jen rules, you know, so... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fucking Quaker, you know, but what I'm saying is like, I, you know, I listen to more sleazy rock and roll that sings songs about, you know, getting, getting wasted and, you know, and fucking chicks. Then I would put on like an album about fucking, we must, you know, you unite one, one life drug free. I don't want to hear that because it's, it's, it's fucking how I live. You know what I'm saying? And like, it's like you're preaching to the choir. I want lust, filth and sleaze when I listen to fucking metal, you know, <laughs> it's just funny though. Cause like, I mean, both of us are straight edge, you know what I mean? Like and we've mm. been straight edge for decades, you know, and it's just funny. It's just funny to be like, <laughs> chicks. Yeah. Yeah, lots of chicks, but I don't actually want that. <laughs> but yeah, it'd you know? be awesome. No, no, that's too much responsibility. Too much, too much. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm gonna go to bed at a reasonable hour. Fucking new chick every night. <laughs> no, because I would have kind of a hard time scheduling that, you know. And I don't really. Know. <laughs> I probably forget who I made plans with because I'm kind of, you know, and then you know, then I'd have to, you know, right, right. You know. I can't like I was, like I'm a germaphobe. I couldn't I couldn't make it work. You I'm a person. I'm a person phobe. <laughs> I, 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 having to fucking like meet a new person and be intimate with a new person that I don't know or give a fuck about is right. not in my wheelhouse. Right. right. <laughs> did you did, did you wash? You know. <laughs> like, like, you smell that? Is that food? Is that food? What did you eat? What did you eat? Okay. <laughs> let me see. Yeah. Let me let me see your fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like we're both midnight fans, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. <laughs> we're both huge midnight fans. And I mean I was just you made me think of I was I was watching Midnight Live somewhere. I don't know. I think it was like a big festival. They were in like a really neat looking amphitheater. And um uh they were gonna they were getting ready to play black rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> right, and right before the song, Athenar, Athenar just says. Of course, and I was, and it's just funny because, like, you know. Like I've had I've had a little bit of interaction with Athenar. I interviewed him a while back, and like I'll you know I'll text him every now and then and be all like, "I got a new Kiss poster, yay!" But like it was like because like what what makes it awesome is that he's not a big guy, you know. What I mean? mm. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so fucking funny when I was when I was watching it. Like I watched it, I was just in, I was in here working, probably writing some notes to an episode or something, and I heard him say it, and I had to stop and just like breathe for a few minutes because mm -hmm. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> I love that shit. I I, I love like, uh, dude. I was watching Metallica live shit, binge and purge, and uh, they were doing Whiplash. Oh, and Dick Dick Rash. Dick Rash. I love that, dude. That's the best. <laughs> Oh my god, dude! I love I love 
<laughs> drunk and Justice for All tour James Hetfield on stage. He's the best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dick Rash. Dick Rash. <laughs> Oh, and it kind of like it's funny talking about straight edge guys that kind of have like a fucking propensity towards sleaze. Um, I went, uh, a- I went and saw H two O a couple times, and whenever they have a song called "I See It in Us," right, and the chorus is like "I see it in us, I see it in us." I break down with no, with you know, instrument, you know, with with no music, so the crowd singing, and he's he's getting these kids are getting. I'm gonna see this part. He goes, "I see your penis, I see," <laughs> and these kids are like, "What the fuck did he just do?" And it's oh, I rule, dude. He was just fucking. Oh, I I, I love that. Oh, I mean, and, and I do that. I do that shit too live. I'll just fucking. I'll I'll sing. I'll make up shit because like me and my old bass player John, we would fucking like he would literally sit there and write like all new lyrics to our songs to, to the locomotive gun songs, just ridiculous, just stupid parodies of our own shit. And then sometimes I would sing them live, and since nobody knows our fucking music anyway, they wouldn't know if I was singing those. But me and John would fucking know it. Yeah, I, I love when I love when bands do that shit, dude. <laughs> I think uh, the the like the the little lyric mess ups, you know what I mean. Like Gene Simmons, Gene Simmons is real bad about it because he doesn't know the fucking words to any of their songs. No, he doesn't. Like I was, I think if you're a kids fan, you've watched that video of. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been a long ass time. Let, let, let me go rock and roll when he's like, "You show us, let me go." <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's all stuff like that. It's all there is. There, they were doing the thing where Paul Stanley is going to fly above the crowd and they're going to do Love Gun. Yeah. Paul gets stuck. Oh so, yeah. So Gene, Gene has to sing Love Gun, and like, dude, you've been fucking playing at that point for thirty years. You didn't, you, you didn't bother to learn a verse, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's like it, it is like, it just like the words aren't words coming out of his mouth for it. They're not words. They're just sort of like onomatopoeia noises you know? so is, is this a segue to vince neal's um current uh every, <laughs> every other syllable thing Have you ever gone to see pro wrestling live before? Yeah. 
Okay, you know when you're if you have decent seats and if a guy throws a punch and he's clearly whiffed it by about six inches, right? Right. But you're enjoying it, so it's a suspension of disbelief. You know that's predetermined. But it's so, not. But it's not even with with Vince Neil. It's not even suspension of disbelief. You're 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 forced <laughs> to just sit, stew, and ruminate in how awful he is. Just sort of is he's just assaulting you with awfulness as far as vocals go. Yeah. Like, and I know like there's going to be a Motley Crue fan that's going to watch this and be like, that guy's a fucking dick. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I mm -hmm. just watched the, the entire us festival show from 1983 crew played it. It was right around shout at the devil. And he was bad. Then. Mm. And is the, and that's okay. That that's okay. That's okay. If, if that that's fine. That I'm a Kiss fan. Have have at it. You know take, what I mean? We, like, we, we, we yeah. We we take our punches <laughs> and our kicks. <laughs> right. Exactly. But he there he he has never been good. <laughs> I think what it is is when when you're actually at a show. I, I've seen <clears throat> I've seen Motley Crue, and I've seen Vince Neil solo live, right? And when you are when? there, um, uh, New Tattoo Tour, I saw Motley Crue. Okay, and then I saw um, in 1999 Vince Neil with uh, at Rivercade in Sioux City, Iowa. It was Vince Neil solo with Jackal, Skid Row without Sebastian Bach. And with Tesla, and That's, that is amazing. It was a great fucking show. Um, and the dude that they had temporarily that kind of looked like David Lee Roth that sang for Skid Row was fucking great. Um, and uh, Vince Neil played um, "You're Invited But Your Friends Can't Come." Great fucking song. I love that album. That Vince Neil solo album with Steve Stevens on guitar is a great fucking record. Yeah. And he played that. And then he played a fuck ton of Motley Crue songs. But I didn't really notice. I want to say, uh, yeah, I saw Vince Neil live solo before I saw uh, the new Tattoo Tour, and so it was like it was like it was like ninety eight, nine. I'm sorry, I saw New Tattoo Tour in two thousand. So I see them, but he's it's at an outdoor venue, real big, whatever. But he had enough people was handing the mic out, and people were singing singing the words and shit like that. So I didn't really notice him kind of flubbing and and kind of like scatting over. It's every lyrics. other word. It's yeah. every word. So I then, then when we saw them, um, it was it was uh, uh, it was Megadeth, Motley Crue, and some other throwaway, uh, you know, '90s band, um, you know, uh, in 2000 um, in Raleigh, and it was literally Ki Samaha Hibu Ha. Oh yeah, 
<laughs> and I was like up on the hill at the amphitheater and I'm sitting right. here and I'm nudging my wife. I'm just kind of like, you hearing this? Yeah. I'm just like, this is actually, you know, so I, I made it a point to just focus on Nikki six. Cause he looked really rad. And Randy Castillo. No, I'm sorry. It wasn't Randy Castillo. It was, uh, Samantha. um, Samantha was on drums and, uh, fucking phenomenal. Great fucking show. But I mean, like I said, when I saw them doing the solo thing, he was, close enough to the crowd where people could sing along and he can kind of skip some words and people would kind of like fill it in. I thought that, you know, you go to a hardcore show or a thrash show or a punk show, hand the mic out. Singer probably sings about maybe what, 65% of the fucking set, you know, crowd sings it. So that's kind of what was going on with Vincent Solo. I saw them on stage, fucking, you know, probably about a half a mile in between the barricade and the stage in Raleigh. Vince was clearly scatting, making up words and huffing and puffing. And he really wasn't in that bad a shape then. It was before the. This was a couple of years before the the reconstructing Vince Neil thing or whatever the hell they did when he got plastic surgery and shit. But yeah, it was just kind of like it was just fucking atrocious that he just. It was like he would yeah. okay. You can't just mumble and pull the mic away and accidentally whatever. He had the mic up there the whole time and he was making noises instead of words. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. And you're saying he's done this since 83 at least? Look, I look, it's not as bad at that US festival on that US festival footage. It's not as bad. Okay. However, it is there. Mm, rough. It, it is it it is there. And then look, studio, he's great. Mm-hmm. He's great. He's great. I think my 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 gut, my gut tells me is that he's never He's never gotten his breathing down. Okay, cardio. Yeah. 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 And it's like you you remember you ever you ever seen that footage of I think it's like the Ultimate Warriors last match. It's somewhere overseas. Um and like Warrior is blowing up. Like he's huffing and puffing. Like he runs to the ring to start the match and he's out of breath immediately. And it's yeah. because just because he's done all he's done all weight, body, and no cardio. Oh yeah, they had, had and, a really really long catwalk that he had to run run down. Yeah, that fucking like yeah. some, it was like SummerSlam or some shit, right? It was I I don't know what it was, but it was an overseas. It's whatever. Yeah, it was overseas show, but it's bad. It's bad. yeah, like it's what they call he's um, wrestlers call it he's he's blown up, puffing uh. and puffing for air. And I, I th- to me, I think it's the same thing with Vince. I just, I don't feel like he's ever figured out the breathing part of the job, mm-hmm. you know, because he is, he even, even now, you know, or even b- before they, the first retirement, how about that? Yeah. That, that last tour, when you watch footage from that, he's still making tracks is which I try not to, you know, I feel bad about being hard on the guy because maybe there is some sort of legitimate like health issue or something. But I, I, I think, you know, I, I just think he never figured out the breathing part of the game, mm. you know? Yeah. And that's huge for singers, especially from that generation, because do you do a lot of like vocal acrobatics, you know? Oh, I mean? dude. Like, okay. Do you remember when Axl Rose made his big cornrow comeback? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he fucking, he's out there just running all over the stage at the beginning of fucking Welcome to the Jungle. And then he gets, you know, he's just fucking just running his ass off. He's wearing, like, the, the football jersey and shit. Comes time to fucking start the beginning of the song, 
And he's like, look out! She's like, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's just like, oh, fuck. I was so bummed, dude. And that yeah. was funny because, like, me personally, like, back in, uh, I think it was like, I don't know, fucking 2000, 2012 or whatever. Like, when I was singing for Down to This, we had probably about a good, almost a year off, right? And we went to play this show. And we were, I think we were open, we were opening for um, so, somebody kind of big at a, at a place around here. And I didn't realize that I'd put on about fucking 12, 14 pounds. And I go on stage, I'm trying to fucking jump around the way I, I did, you know, nine months prior and shit like that. And we're three songs into our set because we would do like fucking like three in a row break, three in a row break. Fucking dude, I'm halfway through the fucking second song and I'm just fucking like, you know, I mean, and shit, dude, I'm, you know, I was like in my, my mid thirties and I'm sitting here going, Holy fuck. Right. So whenever I see Vince Neil struggle or the, the Axl Rose or anybody like that, I know exactly, you know, it was a stupid fucking thing for me to fucking slack off and, and gain weight yeah, and not, yeah. you know, and still try to be that guy, you know? Yeah. But like, I mean, like I said, you know, we rip, <laughs> we rip on the bands that we love. It is what yeah. it is. You know, you know, we're elitist dicks about things, but I think you know, it's, it's just like you want, you want the guy to just do awesome. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But then you see that kickstart my heart video and, uh, you know, it hurts, you know, it stinks. And I have it, look, I, I'm not going to reveal my source, but I have it on very good authority, um, industry insider that, a significant chunk of Motley Crue's live sound is piped in. I heard about that on the last tour. Um, I had a friend of mine that, uh, well, a guy I know anyway, he's actually a piece of garbage, but um, he went and saw them <laughs> I, on the, one of the, the recent farewell tours and he showed uh, me and a bunch of people pictures and video from it and stuff. And he used to work at the venue that he saw them play at. Mm -hmm. And he knows a guy that worked there and he said, yeah, he goes, there was backing tracks for not only vocals, but also for fucking guitar and bass as well yeah. um, on, on this last tour and shit like that. And the, the nasty habits weren't there, the girls, and they were, their vocals were just coming from nowhere. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know? And so, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. Not that, I mean, do what you do, do what you need to do to put on a good show. You know, that's, that's what I would say. So you want to look at a couple comments? Yeah, let's do that. It's time to look at some comments. We're going to look at some comments. I'm going to reference the... Infamous music, the light blood chat betwixt the three gents that make music, the light blood go. I've scoured the dirty depths of the YouTube comment section underneath the sorted Motley Crue videos and found the best the world has to offer. This first one, this was under a too, too young to fall in love video, by the way, which Motley Crue hanging out in Shanghai. What? <laughs> <laughs> my, dude, my son my son last night when we were watching the Motley Crue Uncensored he'd never seen the video before and he was just kind of like what's this supposed to be yeah like are, are, they, are they like and I said I said, I said basically they had a friend that you know that, that worked on on a movie lot and I said hey we got like this this kung fu movie that we just did 
and a handful of extras. And if you guys want to go ahead and just, you know, use this for your video, um, and we'll just we'll just make it up on the spot, you know. Get it, you get a day. Yeah. Day on the set. <laughs> yeah. Cut print. <laughs> all right. So, all right. This one's awesome. This is from a guy named Dipulator one year ago, which awesome name. Uh, they tried to save that girl from being turned out, but they were too late. The little boy did the right thing by contacting the only people he knew that might be able to save her, the crew. They were busy. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. They were busy at the time, standing around with their arms crossed. <laughs> Being dressed by geishas as they prepared for what must have been an important photo shoot. But when, <laughs> when the little boy whispered into Nikki's ear, he knew the shoot would have to be rescheduled if only the crew had arrived at the brothel sooner. <laughs> oh, that's that's pretty fucking spot on. Because, uh, yeah, I noticed last night for like they're standing there and like a girl is adjusting like uh Nikki Six's boot or something, right. and then and then all the, the and then yeah, and then and then is is that when they throw the horns randomly or is that at the at the end where they're standing in the same spot and they just all just fucking put up the horns? I think it's at the end. Oh, okay. It's like but yeah, it's, you're. It's it's like a it's like um it's like a high f like a buddy like a buddy cop show a high five. At the end. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they should be like <laughs> jumping up in the air and then it fr freeze frames. Yeah. Oh, that 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 guy rules. That he. I he, think he, it. You know, that that shot though. That shot's funny because it it just shows you how the the size differential between all the guys in the band. Yeah, they could have at least pulled a kiss and like you know had fuck like when they have Peter stand on a box or whatever. Yeah. Put, you know, put Mick on a on a crate or something. Mick's a small guy. He's not. But you see how tall Nikki and and uh, Tommy are. Well, in Tom's that picture. huge, man. Nikki, mm -hmm. a lot of Nikki's height is the hair. In the boots, yeah, hair in the boots, yeah. Yeah, but Tommy's a big dude. Yeah, dude, that that's that that's so fucking perfect, dude. That 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 commentary on that on that opening, dude, uh, the, uh, opening that video. <laughs> All right, uh, this one's awesome. This is uh, this is from RGC two zero zero five two weeks ago. Uh, Wasn't he in the Return of the Jedi? He was a I, service droid. Yes, I, I think okay. he's a, I think he's an astromech. Maybe I don't know. Uh, two weeks ago, he says, "For those wondering, cocaine." Lot. <laughs> so, is, is, so is that is that why Tommy Lee spit out the rice at the end because they thought it was cocaine? He threw it in the guy's face. Uh, shit's gone bad. All right, uh, this is from No Dot Comply one month ago. Uh, quote: How many drugs were used in the writing of this screenplay? In quote, answer yes. <laughs> yeah. All the those drugs. Are, those are always funny. Those are always funny. You know, you know. How many? How, how much auto tune do you want, Brittany? Yes. You know. <laughs> they should have like the the, clo the closing credits to the the too young to fall in love video. All the drugs. The yeah, all of us. All of us. <laughs> Produced by. Directed and written by all the drugs. <laughs> uh, all right. This was my favorite. Uh, this is the last one. This is from Nellie Morales five months ago. Uh, if your mom was ever a fan of Motley Crue and went to their concerts, you're probably related to Vince. <laughs> uh, Fair assessment. 
Yeah. Just like, just like if you were ever in Europe at any point in the seventies, you're probably related to Robert Plant. So yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a the Genghis Khan kind of thing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We're everybody, all a descendant of Genghis Khan because yeah, of everybody, all. Everybody's got a little Genghis Khan in them, which is terrifying. <laughs> you know? like, Jesus oh. That's terrible. Uh, yeah, we should we should do a future video breakdown um, of a of a of a crew of a crew video. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah, dude. Oh, I'd like but to. Yeah. I'd I'd like to do um, the same old situation video. Absolutely. Um. So okay. So just heads up. Um. Uh. Okay. So I texted Athenar from midnight as we were doing this. Okay. And just just a just a heads up. Uh hey man, what do you think of shout at the devil? Love it. it that. <laughs> okay. The end. <laughs> that, and then and then the rest. There's the rest. One of my first heavy metal albums, it's burned into my brain. So Yep. You know. Are you ready? For, are, you, are you ready for some black cock? <laughs> <laughs> okay. See, I've I've got a I've got a, a Midnight Violators of ten, ten years of lust, filth, and sleaves T-shirt, right? And that shirt, I, people look at me kind of funny when I wear that. I want a Midnight. Are you ready for some black cock and balls? <laughs> so, Athenar, I really want to, I want that shirt. If you can, if you can make that happen. That'd be great. <laughs> oh. Uh, I'll send him a text. <laughs> oh fuck! All right, man. Well, this this was a fucking this was an awesome one. I love talking about Motley Crue. Yeah, we. I feel like we just made fun of Vince a yeah. lot. So. Sure, why not? Uh, yeah, it is what it is. All right, do we know what we're doing next episode? Um, we are doing. This is the part where we cut it and then fucking like you know make people think that it's yeah. a cliffhanger, but it's not really a cliffhanger. Yeah. Same bad time, same bad channel, right? Yes. Um, All right. Well, we'll f we'll figure out something. I'll um. I don't know if we figure it out. I want to kind of do some some black metal. Cool. Are we gonna do our something old, something new? Fuck you and what you're listening to. Uh, I mean, do is that is that is that a 2021 staple still or no? Is it? I think. Well, I think it's kind of like the catchphrase. You know. Okay. Yeah. I guess it is. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I didn't. For the longest time, I was like, I don't want to do the line. I don't want yeah. to. I got I got tired of it, but I mean it makes sense. So we do, <laughs> we, do we do old shit. We do a lot of new shit, you know. So keep one fist in the gutter and one foot in the gold. What born to lose, live to win. Is that what? Yeah. Yeah. Live to win. Oh my live god. Live to win till you die. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Okay, when I saw Starvin' Marvin fucking flying around in a spaceship and that song came on on South Park, have you seen that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Dude, we could, we could do a fucking deep dive into Lift to Win or some shit. I mean, you can do that, but I'm... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm yeah, not, we... not going to turn out for that one. You know, Ooh, child, next time, things next are going to get easier. <laughs> Ooh, child. <laughs> Get them, Paul. Let us know. Let them fucking know. Uh, the fucking soul station strikes again. Uh, all right. Well, I got to go yeah. pick up Luke. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. That's it for this week's edition of Music Lightblood's Conversations from the Pit. Music Lightblood, something old, something new. Motley Crew. Mm.